Well, good morning, church. Well, we are coming closer and closer to the end of our our study of the book of Ephesians, and I have to say from just a, a congregant standpoint, this has been a, an amazing study. It's an amazing book, and if you would, <clears throat> if you would turn in your Bibles to, to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 9 this morning, and it's really the, the final section of a, of a section on family uh, or household uh, relationships. And it's a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult topic, and I'll get into that in, in just a bit. But if you would, let's go ahead and look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. This is the Word of God. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with, with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours, is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. I come before you as a, as a preacher of your word. Father, I pray that you would use me in this pulpit to, to proclaim the truth of this passage in a way that brings you glory and honor and edifies the body of Christ. Father, as I said, you, this idea of masters and servants or slaves and masters is, is a difficult one, especially with all that is going on in the world. And Lord, let me not shy away from proclaiming the truth or that it might encourage us and might bring understanding to us in a world that is somewhat... Um, not encountering those things uh, that people have once encountered in the past. But there are people in this world who are suffering, and so we pray, Lord, that, that your gospel would go forth, or that people would know the freedom that they can have in Christ. Lord, I pray that you bless this time as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to start where I left off a, a couple of weeks ago as we were looking at, at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 through 33, and we were discussing the relationship that marriage has with Christ and the church. And I said that, that it comes down to worship. It comes down to, to worship. You know, Paul will say in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, he says, whatever you do, work heartily. Meaning, do, do it with all your heart, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that, that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. See, it's about our relationships, whether it be husband and wife relationships or, or parent and, and children relationships, or in this case, slaves and, and masters relationships, have to do with worship. 
have to do with us living our lives in a way that brings glory to God. When, when you look at a, a passage like Romans chapter 12, we know that, that Romans is similar to Ephesians in that the first part of Romans talks about doctrine, talks about who God is and what He has done. And then Paul comes to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, or in view of God's mercy. He says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. See, as we offer our bodies as, as sacrifices, as we offer our bodies in service to the Lord, it is worship. And it doesn't matter what position you're in. You could be an employee or, or an employer. You could be a husband or a wife. You could be a child or a parent. The way you live your life can bring glory to God no matter what your vocation I think this is one of the great things that came out of the Reformation, a look back at the, the, the true understanding of vocation, that no matter what position you're in, you can bring glory to God. And as we've been looking through Ephesians, I just want to remind us that, that the first three chapters really speak to our position in Christ. Like Romans, those first three chapters speak to our position in Christ. And then the, the last three chapters, chapters 4 through 6, speak to our practice. And Paul uses this term, and we've been looking at this term, this term walk. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, he tells the Ephesians to walk in holiness. In chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, he says, to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, he says, walk in light, do what is good and, and, and right. In Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 20, uh, verses 15 through 21, he says, walk in wisdom, being, being filled with the Holy Spirit. But, but that leads us to the question, what does that actually look like in our lives? And, and what does it look like in, in, in real life? How does the, the walk of a Christian work out in this world? And, and Paul does this, and he lays out some things. He lays out in chapter 5, verse 22 through 33, instructions to wives and husbands. If you're going to walk in a certain way, wives and husbands, do this. And then he moves to, to children and parents in, in chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. And if you're going to Children, if you're going to obey the Lord, if you're going to understand the Lord, do this. But now we come to chapter 6, verse 5 through 9, and Paul addresses another common relationship found at the time of, of the writing of Ephesians. And it's the relationship of, of slaves and masters. And we have to understand that the proper function of these primary relationships in life demonstrate who we are as, as a people of God. I mean, if you think about your life, there's really two spheres that you live 99% of your life. One is in your family and in your home, and the other is in your workplace. The only that, maybe that 1% is what, driving on the freeway. <laughs> that could be 5% if you live in Los Angeles. No, our, our primary relationships are husband and wife relationships or, or, or family relationships, ch children to parents or parents to children. But the, the last relationship, in, in, in our context, we would say what? 
employees to employers or employers to employees. These are the relationships that, that, that Paul is talking about. And, and it is a, a difficult passage. It's not a difficult passage to understand, is it? I mean, he just he lays it out there, but it's difficult because we know that the subject of, of slavery is difficult for us to talk about. And I think sometimes Christians want to dismiss what has gone on in the world. We want to dismiss it. And we don't want to touch on it. We don't want to talk about it because it's sensitive. And so before we look at our passage this morning, you know, I want to talk about the subject of slavery in, in really a general viewpoint as, as we look at this. And, and it's a subject that we could spend hours and, and days, even weeks, if we had the time. And, but I don't have that time. When we think of slavery, it can, it can bring many, many thoughts to our minds. Recently, Penny and I were invited to go to a fundraiser on helping to stop human trafficking. And, and you know, I don't, I don't know people who have been human trafficked. But there's the reality that, that this is happening in the world. You know, as, as I was studying, I... I came across a, a, a statistic that probably 750,000 people exploited through human trafficking across international borders each year. That's horrific. 50,000 across the borders of the United States each year. Another statistic that anywhere from 20 to 50 million people are enslaved today through modern slavery in the world today. We think, well, it's been 160 years since we've experienced it in this country. But that doesn't mean it's not happening in other places. I was looking at the research and, and looking at all the countries that have millions of slaves. And in those countries, it's, it's not frowned upon. But we can. We can look back at the slavery that, that this country went through and the horrific slave trade that existed in America. And it is a, a horrific stain on our country. And it, cannot, it can never be erased. And, and, you know, in my studies, I was, I was reading about certain people that I had no idea. Christians who own, in this country, who own slaves. Christians who own slaves. And that, that shouldn't be, and there's no excuse for the mistreatment of men and women and children who are, who are created in the, in the image of God. And, and that's not to say that, that Christianity hasn't done anything good for slavery. No, it has. It's been instrumental to bring about the, the abolition of slavery. Men like William Wilberforce in, in Great Britain brought down the, the British slave trade which ended up resulting in and eventually are abolishing slavery here. So Christians have, have done this. And just a, a simple reading of the Word of God, we should come across that, yes, slavery is bad. But if we think of slavery, we can even, we can even go back further as we look at our Bibles and we, we, we realize and we remember that Israel spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt. Later, they were in bondage in Babylon for 70 years. And we know in, in, in the Greek and the Roman cultures, there, 
there were, were many slaves. I was talking to, to, to John earlier, and, and he mentioned over half the people. What, what I did read is in, in this particular culture at this time that Paul's writing to, at least one-third, one-third of the population were slaves. And so Paul is, is writing to these people in these cultures, and, and many of these Many of these slaves were, were slaves because of various reasons. They, they were prisoners of war. There were children who had been abandoned and they were taken into homes and they grew up as slaves. But there were also those who had voluntarily indentured themselves to slave owners. They, they, they needed to pay off a debt. Or maybe they were just simply poor and they, they needed to have some sort of uh, somebody providing for them. So they would voluntarily become slaves. And that's the reality. Often when we look at, at movies today, we see this depiction of slavery during this time. And there's, there's a number of movies. I mean, one is like Ben-Hur. <laughs> you know, I, I love Ben-Hur. And, and that's, a reali- that, that's the reality. It's obviously it's fiction. It's historical fiction. And it's the, the reality of what slavery could be like. But it's not all the slavery. You know, in fact, in... In history, there, there could be various relationships that a slave would have with his master. Uh, but one thing I want to say, but, but when we think of slavery, we need to remember that not all slavery is the same. You know, because we can just lump slavery into this one situation, but not all slavery is the same. In fact, in many historical cases, a slave could have a closer relationship than somebody who was just hired to help. A slave who was purchased had protection and provision. A slave could be part of the, the master's family. I mean, going back, remember Abraham. Before Isaac was born, Abraham said that this man, Eliezer of Damascus, was his heir. And if you read in Genesis 15 and, and Genesis 24, you come to realize that this heir was his, his slave. And, 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 and Abraham sends Eleazar to go and get a, a bride for Isaac. He takes his most trusted, his most loyal servant, and he sends him. And, and Eleazar goes, and he does so because he loves his master. There's this love relationship between Abraham and, and Eleazar. And if you think about slavery in, in the nation of Israel specifically... The Bible never condones what we call involuntary slavery, the taking of somebody by force to become your slave. The Bible never condones that. In Exodus chapter 21, verse 16, listen to what it says. It says, whoever steals or kidnaps a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. That's the Bible's view on involuntary slavery. That can't be any clearer, but, but there was another type of slavery, and I mentioned this. It was voluntary slavery within Israel, that a person could, could indenture themselves or, or come under the, the, the master's care. But even that slavery, after six years, they were to be set free unless they chose 
to stay with their master. That's the slavery that, that is talked about in the Old Testament that, that, that God says is, is okay in this, in this instance. And so when we come to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 through 9, our passage, and, and we're definitely going to look at it, the Apostle Paul is looking at the current slavery in the Roman culture, and he isn't promoting it. We often think just because he says these things, he's, he's promoting slavery. He isn't promoting it. But nor is he trying to abolish it. See, Paul doesn't write to these, sla these slaves and say, you need to rebel against your masters. Because the, the law at that time was what? You rebel against your masters, you could be put to death. But Paul is writing to them to, to en encourage them to live in a way under the, the situation that they're in, to live for Christ. To live for Christ. And as a matter of fact, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he says, if you're a slave, don't, you don't even have to, to try to become free. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 through 24, he says, were you a bondservant? That word bondservant is slave. Were you a bondservant when, when called? Do not be concerned about it. Don't be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. If you can become free, do so. But if you can't, don't worry. Don't worry. Why? Because he's, he goes on, For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. You know, if, if they were a slave and they, they became a Christian, they, their freedom was, was that they were set free by Jesus Christ to honor him. Paul goes on, likewise, he was free when called as a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now, obviously, I, I, I am glad you know, that I can talk to you. Fortunately, this morning, I can, I can be fairly assured that there are no slaves in this room. Is that true? There's no slaves in this room. And so how do you preach this text? Well, you preach it in the context that we have, that we do have what? Employees. And we do have em employers. And the goal of the Christian life is not to escape every negative circumstance you find yourself in but to walk in wisdom and in the spirit in the midst of those circumstances. I know that there are people here who have difficult jobs. They may have really bad bosses. They may be suffering. My goal, Paul's goal, is not to necessarily take you out of that suffering but to empower you and to teach you that in the condition, in the situation you're in, you may honor God under that suffering. Remember, James says, count it pure joy when you encounter various trials. Why? Because the, knowing, the, the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. God is wanting to do something in us, and he's not necessarily wanting us to, to take us out of that. Now, maybe we do have a boss, and or maybe we do have a, a boss in the sense of a, a master. And, and, and so what Paul is addressing is that we have a responsibility. And that first responsibility in your notes 
is this. It's the slave's responsibility. And he begins in verse 5, and he says this, bondservants. And, and that word is the word doulos, which can be translated slaves. He says, bondservants, obey your earth, earthly masters. The responsibility of a slave is to obey. Now, now I want to say in regards to us, now the first expectation of, of an employee is to do your job. To do your job. Whatever that the job description that you have is, you should do that job. Now, in my work, I'm, I'm a manager at a place, and, and we have what, what are called duty statements, and we actually lay out you know, these, these different responsibilities, and we do it by percentages. We say, okay, you have 50%, you do this, you know, t- you know, 25%, you do this, 15%, you do this, and then we always leave the last 10% other duties because there are going to be people who who want to push back and say, that's not my job. I mean, I have, ha- I have people. You know, hey, can you go help this guy out? Well, that's not my job. You, know, you think, why not just go do it? And so I, I, I get to show them the duty statement. Look, other responsibilities. <laughs> that, that covers everything. You know, the other, other duties. But, but if the, the boss asks you to work a certain amount of hours and, and, and come to work at a certain time, you should, you should do that, especially as Christians. You know, I, was, I was watching a, a question and answer with John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul, Albert Moeller, and Steve Lawson, and the question was asked, and I think this is a good question, how should I share the gospel when it could cost me my job? How should I share the gospel when it could cost me my job? And, and MacArthur was the one that answered this question, and I, I think he did a great job. And I, I just want to read you his response. He says, he says this. He says, you want to honor God. You want to be faithful to the gospel. Isn't that true? We want to honor God. We want to be faithful to the gospel. But you don't want to be foolish. You want to be responsible. You, you want to take the long view and not the short view. You have a responsibility to provide for your family. If you don't do that, you are worse than an infidel. You also have a responsibility, and this is explicit both in Colossians and Ephesians. He's speaking about this text. That you are to submit yourself to your master, whoever your boss is, and you don't overturn that submission You don't run roughshod over that submission in some ill-conceived effort to fulfill the Great Commission. You want to be wise as you can and be as submissive as you can be. And I would allow those opportunities to preach the gospel be dependent on the Lord opening a door on a personal level. And he goes on to talk about praying for opportunities saying that God will give you those opportunities. I thought that was a, a, a great example of, of how we are to live for the gospel in our workplaces. Uh, just uh, a week ago, yesterday, we, we had a meeting here, and we were talking about safety and, and security in our, in our church context. And, and it was a really great meeting. And, and, and the, the, the truth is we, we were thinking about these things from a standpoint of how we can love our congregation. And I went back to, to work, and, and I do pray for opportunities to share the gospel. And, and I, most people at my work are, are not believers. And I went back and I shared 
with my boss about our, our meeting that we hear, had here. And I, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it was really great. This is what we did. This is, this is what we talked about. And then this Friday, we have a, a, a biweekly staff meeting that we, we talk about safety and uh, work safety and things like that. And, and my boss decides to talk about the same issues that we talked about here. And then as he's talking, he looks over at me and he says, Jeff, tell them about your meeting. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's times that I want to shy away <laughs> from being bold with the gospel. But here I have a room full of 25 people. I'm the second in charge, and my boss has said, Jeff, you have the right to speak. And so I just start saying, oh, this is what we did at church. You know, you know, they know I'm a pastor. This is what we did at church. We talked about this. We talked about, and, and you know, the, the reason that we talked about it was because we love each other, and we care about each other. And I, I didn't go into the cross. God... God will give me that opportunity. But I got to share the love of God with them in this little context of being in a room. Why was that? Because God had brought the opportunity. And you can pray that God would give you the opportunity to, to share the gospel. And our lives, our lives are supposed to be about that. That as we work in the, the workplace, that, that we would be lights in this, this world that, that desperately needs them. And so Paul talks about these things. And, 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 and one thing that I, I need to mention is that is different in our context than slavery is you have the right to, to leave your job. Slaves didn't have that right. You have the right. But I want to encourage, especially the young people here. I did this when I was, I left my first job before I had another job. Don't do that. You know, if you want to look for a new job, look for a new job. But guess what? The grass is not always greener on the other side. Jobs are hard, and they're always going to be hard. But as long as you're in that job, do it with all your heart for the glory of God. But the second thing is, your, your masters or your employers may ask you to do things that are immoral. They may ask you to do things that are unbiblical or unethical or, or even illegal. And you need to honor the Lord. And it may cost you your job. I know people that that has happened. And so you may have to. You, you, there's there's a, a balance of responsibility that we have here as, as Christians. We need to honor the Lord first. We, we need to honor the Lord first. But if we can't honor the Lord in our jobs, then, then do look for another job. But find that job first. But Paul doesn't end there. He, just, he doesn't just say obey, does he? No, he, he, he doesn't just say obey because what could we do is we could say, fine, <laughs> I'll do it. I'm going to go to work tomorrow and I'm just going to obey my master. I'm going to fold my arms. I'm going to stomp my feet. and I'm going to do what he says. But that's not what Paul wants. He, he wants, us to, it wants it to be more than that. And so our first subpoint is A, is obey with the right attitude. We need to have the, the right attitude. And in the second part of verse 5, he says, with, with fear and trembling. And, you know, it's not a matter of cowering <clears throat> in horror before the Lord, but it's giving him honor. 
giving our, our, our employers honor. And it, it, many of you know that I work on a, a military base. And I work for the Department of Public Works. And, and there's times that, that I have to go uh, to meetings with senior leadership on the base. And, and I remember when I was new there, my, my boss was a, a lieutenant colonel. And, and he was telling me about, I was asking, like, how do I engage, you know, these these soldiers or these, these officers, what am I supposed to say? And, and he said, you address them either sir or ma'am or by their rank. And so I, I remember meeting the, the general, the commander of the base, and I, I, he, he, he gets introduced to me. Oh, this is General John Lathrop. And I forgot everything that my boss had told me. <laughs> and I reach out my hand. Nice to meet you, John. <laughs> and when I told people about that, they, they were like, you did what? <laughs> but there's times that I have to go to these, these meetings. And, and, and now, nowadays, it's been a few years, so, but early on, oh, I was like, I'd have to go to these meetings and I'd have to represent our, our department and I was, I was nervous and I had fear and trembling. And I'd go to these meetings and it was, these meetings are called staff call and and there, there would be questions that I really didn't have the answers for. And, and, and I was just trying to do my best. And, and, and so, you know, I would go there. And, and I know that it, it was difficult. But, and there was some, some of this fear and, and trembling that I had. Because anytime the, the commander of the base says something, guess what? You need to do it. There's not, there's not an option. And I know, I know for, I don't think there's anybody here besides myself, that, that has a boss who's a, a, a general or a, or a colonel or a major. But the way you treat your boss is, is one that you need to treat them with that same understanding, with, with respect. You treat them with respect. And the word fear in this passage is, is the same word that is translated earlier as respect. And, and the word trembling, and I, I found this in, in a Bible dictionary, and it said this, it said, the word trembling is used to describe the anxiety of one who distrusts his own ability to meet all requirements. I thought, that's exactly, I, I had an anxiety that I was going to be able to meet the requirements of, of meeting with these people of authority. And it, it says, but religiously does his utmost to fulfill his duty. Now, there's a, a humility. There's a humility that, that we go before our bosses with humility. That God has, has placed them in positions of authority above us. So we're to have the, the right opportunity and the right attitude to obey with respect. And, you know, I've, I've had the, the ability to, to be employed by both Non-Christians and, and Christians, I you know as a full-time pastor, uh, before, I, before I went back to work, I was a full-time pastor for, I think, 12 and a half years. And I remember coming from the private sector, and, you know, and, and things were a certain way, and coming in, into the, uh, working at a church, and, and it, was, it was amazing. It was a great thing that, you know, everybody had this desire, not that we did it perfectly, but everybody had a desire to, to honor the Lord, and that's, that's a great opportunity. But, but we realize today that, that most of our bosses are unbelievers. And that was true at the time of Paul's writing, that most of the masters were, 
we're unbelievers. And so we can, we can look at Scripture and we can say, how am I to respond to an unbelieving master? And Paul writes to, to Timothy in 1 Timothy. Remember, Timothy was what? A pastor in Ephesus. And he says this in, in chapter 6, verse 1 of 1 Timothy. He says, let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Now, if you have an unbelieving master, you treat them with all honor because treating them with all honor is going is to glorify God and, and they're going to see that you're a Christian. But what happens if you, if you don't? What happens if you do have a Christian as a boss? You know, Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 that, that we're all one in Christ. You know, there's, there's neither slave nor free. And so, you know, we're all brothers. Do I have to just, okay, hey, I'm, I'm a brother. You, you shouldn't treat me like that. You shouldn't ask me to do that. Well, Paul addresses that in, back in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2. He says, those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Now, he says you should serve all the better. If you have a Christian boss, you should serve all the better. You know, I have, I have one, one man in my, who's uh, one of my subordinates, and he's a, he's a believer. And there is, there is great joy in serving alongside him. We, we know that we're praying for the same things. We're we're trying to, to share the gospel with those around us. And sometimes I, I, I think I do this. And it's, in this study, it's kind of made me think about, I really re rely on him a lot because he is a, beloved, uh, a brother. And that I know that he'll do it with joy and he'll because he respects me and he encourages me and he knows that we are in this together. And that's, that's the way it should be for, for all of us. We, we should have this, this love for, for Christ in such a way that, that we are, are loving our masters or our bosses and we're serving them. And that brings me to the second point. We, we need to obey with, with the right commitment. And Paul says th this. He says that we do it with a, a sincere heart, a, a right commitment. And people say, you know, I go to work every day, and, and, but I don't really like my job. And my heart's not really in it. But what's your perspective on your job? I, I think that the issue, and I think the issue that Paul is trying to address here is, who are we serving? If, if we're going to have the right commitment, we need to know who we're serving. And if we're going to have the right attitude, we have to under, have understanding that all that we do is worship. All that we do is worship, and, and we're doing is, is under the Lord. He, he says, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. As you would Christ. So we are obeying our masters with, with fear and trembling, uh, sincere hearts as to Christ. And we're told to, to obey the, the right master. He's the right master. I, I read in um, Daily Bread, it's a you know little devotional, and I don't read, but I, I looked it up as I was studying. I wanted to see if there was anything on this. And there, there's this one devotional on this passage. 
and it was talking about St. Paul's Cathedral in, in London. And, and a man was commissioned to, to, to rebuild St. Paul's Cathedral. And, and so he decided to go to the job site and ask questions of, of the different people that, that were working there on the job. And, and so he was commissioned. And, and he, he goes up to one man and, and he says, what are you, what are you doing? And the man says something like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm chipping I'm chipping stone. I'm chipping stone. He went to another workman and he answered, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, trying to earn, just trying to earn my wages. Just trying to earn my wages. And he went up to a, another man. And this man said, I, I'm building a cathedral. What a different perspective. Not knowing that this is the man who's commissioned him to do it. But do we realize that, that we as Christians are are building a heavenly temple, that we are living stones, that God is making us into the temple of God, and that we are members of that temple. We we need to obey the the right master. And listen to what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So how are we to walk? We're we're to walk and we are to conduct ourselves in our workplaces. We're to obey our earthly masters. We're, we're to have the right attitude. We're, we're to have the right commitment. We're to have the right master. But lastly, in this section, we, we do it for the right reward. We obey for the right reward. Look at verses, chapter, or verses 6 through 8. Paul says, not by the way of eye service. He's not doing it just so that you get a pat on the back as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. He says, don't do it by the way of, of eye service, or don't do it just to be seen. No, in other words, you don't just work hard when, when the boss is looking. You know, I, I, there's times I walk into places at work and I see guys sitting there with their feet up when they should be working. Or there's times that I walk up to that same office and I hear scuffling as they hear me coming. Christians, brothers and sisters, we should not be like that. Christ is always watching. Christ is with us always to the very end of the age. We need to live for him and knowing that that we're not just doing it as as man pleasers, but because a man pleaser worries about what people think, not not what God thinks. We should think what God thinks. Jesus addresses this, this same attitude in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, where he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, don't, don't just practice your righteousness before men. No. You know, if, if you do it, if you do your work to get a paycheck and to get a pat on the back, guess what? You'll get the paycheck and you'll get the pat on the back. But is that what Christ wants from us? No, don't do it as 
as people pleasers because that's all the reward you're going to get. But if you do it for the Lord, you do it to bring Him glory. He, it says He will pay us back. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get it in this life. I think when we work as under the Lord, generally speaking, generally speaking, we will get raises. We will honor God. People will know that. If we're the best employees, we are going to move up. But I don't think that's what Paul is, is addressing here. No, it may not be what you get paid here. Now, there's a, he says in verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. It's a, it, that's an eternal reward that he's talking about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul says this, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or e- evil. Now, we're going we're gonna to stand before the Lord someday. We're going to stand before, and, and, and what we do and who we do it for is, is important. You know, Christ will reward you. And so you have to obey and, and check your motives. And even if, even if your, do, your boss doesn't pat you on the back, even if he doesn't give you a raise, you know, the responsibility of, of slaves is to obey and to have a good attitude, attitude. But also, let's move to our second point. So an employee is to obey, but also a, it is also a master's responsibility. Notice what he says in verse 9. He says, Masters do the same to them. Masters do the same to them. And, and what he is saying is have the right attitude. Have the, the right motivation. Have the right perspective. Because just like the slave, masters must obey. They don't obey the slave. They don't obey the slave but they are slaves of Christ, and they obey Christ. Look at verse 9 again. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. See, God doesn't look at, at us in this world and say, oh, masters are good, slaves are bad. There's no partiality with God. He looks at each one of us who are in Christ, and he says, you can honor me by doing what you're called to do. And the key to understanding verse 9 is, is going back to, to verse 6 where it says, doing the will of God from the heart. And then in verses 7 and 8, he describes what that looks like. And then the final phrase in verse 8, whether he is a bondservant or is free. And that helps us understand what the master's uh, responsibility is, is to re- obey the Lord. Because even... Masters have a master who is in heaven. See, I'm, I'm a boss. I'm a manager where I work. And I have to confess that there are times that I don't want to go to work. <laughs> I wake up in the morning. It's Monday morning. It's Tuesday morning. It doesn't matter what morning it is. There's days that I, I just don't want <laughs> to go to work. And there's days that I can can go to work, and I can function, and I can work not so unto the Lord. But my responsibility as a, as a manager and as a boss is to honor him. This has been a, a, a good, 
a good passage for me to hear what God has to say for me. Because I'm, I'm both, right? I'm, I have a boss, and I have employees underneath me. And, and, and I have to, to honor Christ. I have to remember that I have a master who is heaven. And, and when my boss asks me to do something, and he does ask me to do things, and sometimes I don't want to do them, and sometimes I don't have the right attitude, but who am I looking at when, I, when he asks me this? Am I saying whatever my boss asks me to do, do I receive it as that's what Christ is asked me, asking me to do? But sadly, brothers and sisters, sometimes we push against what Christ asks us to do. But we need to have a change of attitude. And, and certainly the relationship between slaves and, and Christ is different than masters in Christ. But Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 4, verse 1, that the masters are to treat your bondservants justly and, and fairly and knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And, and so the obedience of a master is obedience to the Lord. And, and practically speaking, masters, masters need to show dignity. They need to show dignity. And that's where humility comes in. When, when you come to Christ, you, you realize that you're in this relationship and, and, and there's a humility that you have, that he is the only wise God who, who rules in heaven. And my responsibility as master is to submit to him. And when he says to the masters, and stop your threatening, most likely, most likely these Christians, Christian masters were, were being harsh. We have to be very careful, and we need to remember, you know, what Jesus says. He says, you know, that we are to, to live in such a way that we love people and we, we treat other people the way that, that we want to be treated. Jesus says, do unto others what you would have others do unto you. And employers or, or masters, treat your employees as, as you would want to be treated. Don't, don't speak to them harshly. Uh, don't berate them, don't threaten them, don't be a bully. You know, we have this term, don't be a what? Slave driver. Does that mean you don't ask your employees to do things? No, of course we do. No, it, it, we, we have to. I remember when I was first hired at the state of California, I, I work now for the California National Guard, and, but originally I, when I was 35 years old, I was hired in a position, of uh, a supervisory position, and I had... I was hired, I had four employees working for me there. And every one of these employees was at least 10 years my senior, and every one of these employees wanted my position. So I came in, and it was not an easy thing. It was hard to get them motivated. It was hard to get them to work. And, and there, was a, there was a really messy job that, that needed to be done, and I didn't even think my employees should have to do it. So I was trying to get a contractor, and somebody from Sacramento said, I want you to get those employees to do it. And so my submission was to him. Now it's to get them to submit to me. And during this extremely difficult job, there was a lot of pressure. And, and one of the things I had to do is there was, I had to have my employees wear air monitors to see what they were exposed to. That's how bad of a job it was. They had to wear respirators and and they did not want to wear the respirators, nor did they want to wear the air monitors. And so one day, one of them, it was a Saturday, and one of them says, I am, 
I'm not going to wear that air monitor because this is just to protect you, not me. And I said, either you're going to wear it or you're going to go home. And I was standing, and I was standing in a doorway. And he walked up to me and he said, if you don't get out of my way, you're going to get hurt. Okay, so I'm not the biggest guy. (laughs) This guy is bigger than me. And I said, you are going home. You are not working. You're not getting any overtime. You're going home. Well, needless to say, they filed a grievance against me. And in during that, that grievance meeting with my boss and, and their boss and, and these employees, they came in and they're interviewing these employees. Some things were said that just weren't true. They're just trying to get me in trouble. But one of the things that, remember, these are government employees. One of the things somebody said was to, to my boss is, he was working us like a slave driver. <laughs> I wasn't working them like a slave driver. They were just not used to working like that. One of my employees, his name was Jack, he was, he was the union steward. So he's the one that brings the grievance against me as, as, a, as a manager. And, and, and Jack was by the book, and he was probably, at this time, he's probably 60 years old. I'm 35 years old. And we went through this grievance process, and, and finally... I was offered a, a position to open up a brand new building uh, in downtown LA, and, and so I, I left there. And, and, and I never forget this, and I think this is just, you know, I, I, I cared about my employees, and I still, I still do. And, but one of the employees that came to work for me at the new facility told me, he said, Jack, remember, this guy's 60 years old. He's been in state service in the government for probably 25 years, said this to this other employee of mine. He said, you know, he was the best boss we ever had. Even though we went through all these things, he was the best boss we ever had. That's what we, as bosses or employers, we, we should want people to say that. It, and it wasn't because I, I let him off the hook. It wasn't because... It was because it was fair and I cared about them and I, I treated them with, with dignity. You know, treat your employees as you would want to be treated yourself. And lastly, obey your masters with, with the right, obey your master with the right motivation. Masters must remember, bosses must remember that these jobs on earth are just temporary. We live for the glory of God, knowing that, that God has a purpose. We are strangers and aliens. We, have a, we are here for a purpose, to bring glory to Christ. Verse 9 again, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. This is one of the things, we're, I, I know we are Americans. We are Americans, and what do we say? We have rights. We do. We have, we have rights. We have much, a lot more rights than, than they did uh, as Paul is writing to Ephesus, no, we have a lot more rights, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't fall on our rights, and we shouldn't, you know, say we have these rights. Paul shared that he was a Roman citizen, and, and he, he said, this is my right as a Roman citizen. We are American citizens, and we have our rights. 
But this, sh this shouldn't be our main at attitude. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be looking to get out of obeying our masters. And, and as masters, we, we shouldn't be looking to lord it over those in our charge. You know, we, we, we don't want to just come, uh, you know, and try to bargain with our employees. No, we, we, we don't want to just negotiate the best terms. But, but we want to, to focus on our responsibility as Christians. It's not about our rights. It's about our, our responsibilities. And as we've been seeing over the last few weeks, this is true of husbands and wives. It's about relationship. It's, it's true of parents and, and children and, and their relationships. And it's true of masters and slaves in their relationship. And, and as, I, as I come to a close, I just want to remind us that, that, that Paul also wrote to, to Philemon. And Philemon was a master, and he, he was a slave owner. And, and he had a, a slave by the name of, of Onesimus. And Onesimus more than likely had stolen from his master and left and, and fled to Rome. And, and as Onesimus is there in Rome, Paul apparently preaches the gospel to him. And, and, and Onesimus becomes a Christian. And, and so Paul writes to his, to his master, and, and he, he addresses him, and he, and he says, Look, I want you. I want to send Onesimus back to you, Philemon, and I want you to receive him as a brother. Why is that? Because us being in Christ changes everything. Us being in Christ changes everything. How we live in this world, again, we, we are not our own. We've been, we've been bought with a price, and therefore we need to glorify God in whatever, whatever we do. And there is a great transformation in Christ, and certainly we know that slavery is a blight, and not only in American history, but in, in human history, and certainly Christianity transforms our, our worldviews, that, that we think about slavery different. And maybe, maybe you're in a, as I said, maybe you're in a difficult position, maybe you're you're in a job that you feel like you're under forced labor, maybe you're under duress, maybe you have a bad boss. Maybe you have a bad job. Again, as I said early on, we, we're not to, Paul, God, God's desire is not necessarily to take us out of every bad situation we are in, but we can honor him in the midst of that situation. Now walk, walk in this way. Those who, of you who are, who are bosses or masters, remember that their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. God is the perfect judge, and he and we will all stand before him. Whatever our vocation, whatever our vocation, we must remember that it is one of worship. It is one of worship. We stand before him, we work as unto him, and we serve as we serve others. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for your your word and we thank you for just the uh, I thank you for the opportunity to preach this passage Lord your word Paul says to the Corinthians that he came to them in fear and trembling and there's times that we come into this pulpit with with fear and trembling because we are not up to the task but Lord your, your word is perfect your word is to be honored your word is to be obeyed 
And so I pray that we as a people would do that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and let's sing God's praises one last time.